Today on Living Logistics, bees on balconies, in backyards, and even outside busy warehouses. Meet people contributing to biodiversity through urban beekeeping. Welcome, I'm Deborah Friedman. Today we're talking about bees. Everyone and everything on planet Earth depends on bees. They're miraculous little creatures. Remember when flames tore through the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris in 2019? Well, thousands of honeybees on the roof miraculously survived the inferno. They're making honey again this year. But unfortunately, bees are beset by disease and die-off. Over the last 15 years, bee colonies have been disappearing in what is known as colony collapse disorder. The UN's Food and Agriculture Organization has urged countries to do more to safeguard bees because the decline in the global bee population poses a threat to food stability. But not only countries can do more, so can individuals, like Jan Bulens, who works for logistics company DHL in Belgium. He and his employer could be saviors. Contributor Jennifer Abramson found that out when she visited him last August. Today, she joins me in the studio. Welcome, Jennifer. Hi, Deborah. I knew we were going to be talking about honeybees today, so I've brought some tea and honey for our chat. Would you like some? Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks. Yummy. Good honey. So tell me about your visit with Jan Bullens. You met him in Belgium? Yeah. Um, in August, I went to DHL's European Logistics Center in Degum which is a suburb of Brussels, near the Brussels airport. And I went there to meet Jan. He's the head of DHL's service logistics business for business aviation. In other words, supplying spare parts for private jets. And I got to meet him and his 170,000 new workers. Is that the whole population of Brussels? Well, no, but it's the summertime population of the two beehives that Jan has installed on the grounds of the warehouse there. Hmm. It's his mission to spread the gospel of beekeeping at DHL, and he's installed beehives at several DHL warehouses around Belgium. He wants to combine his passion with the company's values and its commercial interests, too. And did I mention that the beehives are really close to a very busy airport? You did. Well, good, because you're definitely going to hear some airplane noise on these recordings. Okay. Okay, so the first thing I did was go to meet Jan in his office above the warehouse, and then very quickly this happened. So let's go see some bees. Perfect. So can I confess that I'm kind of frightened of bees right now? It's normal that you're frightened. It's a natural reaction of everybody who thinks they're going to be stung by bees. But in fact, bees will not sting. I'll show you. Oh, wow. You dove right in there. Yes, I did. And then we left his office and we went outside to the parking lot. The hives were in a small grassy enclosure between the front door of the warehouse and the parking area. And in the parking lot, we put on these beekeeping suits. You mean those white hats with the netting? Exactly. We're getting a protective uh, jacket just to make sure that our head is protected from swarming bees. So that's the only thing where the scaredness of bees is triggered by bees flying around your head. So this is one of those typical white with the mesh netting things that you see when you see pictures of beekeepers. Yes, correct. And of course, also the protective gloves, because we're going to open the hive, and of course, we're going to get in touch with living bees. How many bees are in your hive? Right now, they're, they're at the peak of their population, so roughly about 85,000 bees per hive. 
if for some reasons you feel that a bee is trying to crawl into your pants, please don't overreact. So, Jen, he basically told you not to get a bee in your bonnet or your bloomers. Ha, good one. <laughs> At this point, I was still feeling a little bit anxious, but, you know, journalism calls, so I followed Jan to meet the bees. There are two hives at the warehouse in Deegum. What do they look like? Well, essentially, they look like a stack of boxes. In this case, they're painted yellow and orange, and each one was about the size of a small filing cabinet. Jan went ahead and took off the top of one of the hives. There were slats inside it where the bees were making their honeycomb, and he pulled one out, and it was just covered in bees. Hundreds and hundreds of bees. Yikes. What are we looking at now? We're right next to the hives now. Well, we're right next to the hive, and we've just taken away the rooftop. What we're now going to do is we're going to open the hive by taking away a small wooden panel, which shows you directly the inside of the hive and the honey chamber. And as you can see, there's quite some activity of the lovely uh, ladies. What are these bees doing right now? They're crawling like madly around on this honeycomb. So what are they doing on it, actually? These uh, bees are, first of all, communicating with each other. So they, they're telling that, first of all, the hive is open and they've got two visitors. Um, the ones that are not flying around right now to inspect whether we are a danger to them or not, these will continue to build wax combs. Jan told me the difference between the bees and the wasps. He believes that people are unnecessarily afraid of bees because they confuse them with wasps. Wasps are more aggressive than honeybees, right? Yeah, they're much more aggressive. Honeybees and their big, fat, bumblebee cousins are hairy. <laughs> this helps them to collect pollen when they go into flowers to drink the nectar. Wasps, on the other hand, have smooth skin, no hair, and they eat insects and other dead creatures. A wasp, for example, first of all, is not a pollinator. It's like a garbage person working for nature. So they just clean up dead things um, which, are, which are eatable to them. Wasps are not related to bees, honeybees. They're just flying insects, but totally not linked to each other. Jan explained that the one and only goal of each individual bee is the survival of the hive. And the heart of every hive is the queen. The queen bee. Yeah, it's an ultra-efficient system. There are three types of bees. You have the queen bee, which is basically the number one. Without a queen, a hive would die. They just need a queen because she's the one that gives satisfaction to the hive, meaning we've got somebody who's the boss. Then you have the male bees, which are drones. They look like big, fat working bees, and they can't sting. And their own purpose is to impregnate a queen bee. And then you have the working bees, and depending on the stages of their life, um, they have different functionalities, from cleaning the combs to flying out and harvesting pollen, till dragging out the dead bees outside of the hive. So it's like a whole functioning microcosm in this box here. Exactly. This is like a small town where everybody's got his own function and where everybody serves some kind of purpose just to make sure that the complete state of the hive is healthy. Sounds a little bit like a warehouse or something. It is. This is really a copy-paste of what we as DHL perform. These are the global supply chain workers for our globe, like what we do for our customers. They do this for the nature. For Jan, nature is at the heart of beekeeping. He's a committed environmentalist. He's installed solar panels on his home. He recycles gray water for watering his garden and flushing the toilet. He worries about the fact that bee populations are diminishing. Environmental groups around the world have been warning about declining bee populations for at least a decade. 
although no one's completely sure why this is happening. Really? They don't really know why the bees are dying off? Well, there's suspicions about insecticides and increased infestations of certain kinds of mites that kill off bee colonies. But whatever the reason is, Jan is just concerned. He quotes a statistic that more than one-third of what we eat or drink is directly related to bee activity. Wow, a third. Yeah, it's a lot, right? But it's not only the question of food supply that worries Jan. It's that bees play an important role in the health of the planet overall. Bees are under pressure, period. And I think every hive that we can install just helps nature in pollinating. And that's basically the basics, just to make sure that plants, fruits and vegetables can be consumed for us humans, but also are reproduced. And as you know, global warmth, it's not a fake story. It's there. And the best thing we can do is make sure that there are more plants, trees, who can absorb carbon dioxide and put it into oxygen. Putting a hive and installing that on multiple places is just supporting the environment. And this is where Jan's employer, DHL, comes into the picture. Jan had the idea of keeping bees on DHL property. So four years ago, he hired a professional beekeeper to install hives outside of a warehouse operated by DHL, and the company agreed to fund it. I think I remember reading about that. You probably did. I mean, the first hives were established in Bornem, north of Brussels, and DHL put in an initial investment of 2,500 euros. And two years ago, they added the hives in Degum, the ones I visited. Wait, does putting beehives near those airplanes affect the quality or taste of the honey, given the fumes from the airplane fuel? Well, you're not the only person to wonder about that. And in fact, I asked Jan about that, too. A lot of people think because we're so close to the airport and you can, you can hear the aircrafts flying over that the honey would be infected with a taste of kerosene, which is totally not true. Honey is not easily infected by flavors or odors from around the hive. Just the flowers that they visit, maybe. Exactly. They give the particular taste and flavor to the honey. I actually tasted the last spoonful of last year's crop of honey from the bees in Degum. I'm no connoisseur, but it was really good. I bet it was. What does Jan do with all the honey from the DHL hives? Well, he told me about this after we left the hives and all that airplane noise behind, and we went up to his office to talk some more. The first year the bees were in place, he gave away the honey to the employees as a tasty thank you for accepting the bees in their workplace. Nice. Yeah, and last year he put the honey into jars with DHL labels and gave it to customers. It's like a relation gift. Whenever we have a monthly business review or whenever we have a contract signature with a customer, then this is an opportunity to also revert something to the customers. What has the customer reaction been so far to that? That has always been very positive. They were really thrilled by the idea that we install beehives and some of them even copied the idea, which is great. So it's, it's always captured in a positive way. In other words, the bees come with their very own sweet publicity. That's great. It lets customers know that their business with DHL is doing more than just improving the company's balance sheet. It supports the environment as well. Exactly. To date, Jan has overseen the installation of 10 hives on the grounds of three different DHL locations in Belgium. That's a lot. It is. But frankly, Jan says he would like to see even more support for the bees. And I asked him about that, too. I would love there to be a plan because we have a ton of land and and quite some sites where Installing hives would be a great step forward in supporting the environment. So if somebody is listening to this podcast and has a great idea on how to put this in a plan and to make sure that we have beehives all around the planet on, let's say, 50% of our sites, I would sign the plan immediately. And if that's not a call to action, I don't know what is. 
Yeah, he is very convincing. How did Jan become such an activist in the first place? Well, believe it or not, it all started with a chance meeting with an astronaut. An astronaut? That's out of the blue. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and he told me all about it. This project basically kicked off when, years ago, I was introduced to the first Dutch astronaut, Wubo Ockels. During a presentation to a management team, he explained when he was in space and looked outside of his window of the spaceship and he saw our Earth as a tiny little globe with just a very thin layer which protects us as humans from the space where there is nothing. And that's when he realized that we are doing so bad to our planet and we need to do something differently. Otherwise, we don't have a future anymore. This meeting clearly changed Jan Bullens' life because he isn't only trying to get DHL on the bee bandwagon. He himself has become a beekeeper too. By going forward, I really got sting by the bees. And not literally, but it touched me in such a way that I also installed hives at my house. So I've got two hives where I watch the bees every day. If you take just 10 minutes, sit down at a hive and, and watch bees flying in and out, It's better than a yoga session, I think. When I started researching this story, I found out that Jan isn't the only DHL employee who keeps bees for a hobby. I'm sure there are quite a few DHL employees who are amateur beekeepers. Have you met any others? Well, yeah, and I even spoke to one who said she started keeping bees on the balcony of her apartment building in downtown Bonn. My name is Raluca Witowski-Bertold, just to keep it very simple. <laughs> um, I'm 35 years old, and I've been with the company almost 11 years. Raluca works in the communications department at DHL, and she got into urban beekeeping several years ago. Five years ago, six years ago, I had read some articles about urban beekeeping and the fact that on the Opera House in Paris there were beehives, and it was a bit of a hype back then. She figured that if the Opera Garnier could keep bees in the middle of Paris, she could do it in downtown Bonn. Is it legal to keep bees on your balcony? I've lived in Germany for a pretty long time, and it's a country that has rules for just about everything. I'm surprised she didn't need a license. Well, you're not far off. In Germany, you do need to register your bees with both your local veterinarian and with health authorities in case of public safety issues. But surprisingly, it is not illegal to keep bees on the balcony of your apartment. Reluca did follow some beekeeping etiquette, though. You are not legally obliged to inform the neighbors, but I think it's a nice gesture to do so. She also told the neighbors about how the nice, helpful bees are different from the aggressive, nasty wasps. And then she gave them a jar of honey from her first harvest. Nice. Those bees and their PR moves again. Who could resent having a hive nearby if it meant getting free honey? Nobody, right? <laughs> Reluca had some tips about how to get into beekeeping. Her first piece of advice was to take a class. There is so much to know about managing a colony. It's really not something you can just teach yourself. Since we started keeping bees, we look differently at uh, how nature develops and how the year passes. So August is almost for us like, oh my God, winter is coming. Because you already start with the winter preparations for the bees. You need to apply that medicine and that needs to be usually applied twice in a month. You need to look at the weather. It needs some weather conditions and so on. So that's why I cannot emphasize this enough. It's important to take a class. 
You can find beekeeping classes locally by looking them up on the internet. Do you know if it's expensive? Well, I looked into it, and it depends on whether you start with a bunch of high-end equipment or if you go more DIY, so there's a range. But according to the internet, one rule of thumb seems to be expect to pay about $500 for the first hive and $300 for every hive after that. And most people recommend starting with at least two hives. So it's quite an investment. Yeah, but it does seem to be worth it. Because all the beekeepers I spoke to said the hobby really changed their lives. Hmm, how so? Well, for one thing, they all developed a really heightened sense of awareness of nature. We have a, a more trained eye to how nature develops. You know, you, you notice from year to year the temperature, how that affects, for example, uh, the pollen or the nectar of the trees. Because, you know, we didn't know this before, but even if some trees are blossoming, that doesn't necessarily mean that the flowers still have nectar. Raluca described it as a hobby that really brings home the effects of climate change. The first sight, you're like, okay, so nothing has changed. You know, the bees would be happy this year. But if there was um, a time of uh, too high temperature at the wrong time of the year or not enough rain uh, fell, then the plants are just beautiful and they don't represent a source of food for the bees. So there you have it. Urban beekeeping is a hobby being pursued by DHL employees who really care about the environment and who love bees and honey. And in Jan Bullens' case, he even got the company to help promote the message. It's great to see people so motivated to support the planet and somehow get their colleagues and workplaces involved. Did you learn to love the bees too? Well, not really, Deborah. Actually, this is very embarrassing to admit, but while I was reporting this story, I got stung by a bee. No. I'm the f I know, I'm the first person to get a bee sting at the warehouse in Degum. What happened? They will sting if they're really threatened and angry, and Jan had warned me of that. And late in the day of my visit, I went into the beehive enclosure to take some pictures while a beekeeper was opening the hive to collect the honey. Mm -hmm. You know, anything in the name of journalism. And those poor bees were at their most threatened, and I got really too close. Were you not wearing one of those beekeeping suits? Well, the beekeeper offered me his protective hat, but... I refused it. Oh, that doesn't sound like a smart move. That was not a smart move. That was a dumb move. But I learned my lesson and a lot more besides. And so have I. Many thanks, Jen, for that great report. Before we wrap up, would you like some more tea with honey? Yes. This honey was a gift from my sister-in-law. She keeps bees, too. That sounds great. Thanks, honey. Anytime, sugar. I'm Deborah Friedman, and you've been listening to Living Logistics. Today's episode and the entire series on sustainability is delivered to you by DHL from Bonn, Germany. Besides the lovely Jennifer Abramson, who joined me in the studio today, I'd like to thank the whole production team. Ulrika Benz, Tobias Buchwald, Janan Dogan, Stefan Felten, Patricia Heine, Kristen Lehmann, Tom Malar, Gabi Pinkner, Shivani Srivastava, Katharina Stahl, Editor-in-Chief Marcus Vosman, Marketing and Digital Promotion Daniel Mantua, with special thanks to consultant Dennis Horn. If you enjoyed listening to Living Logistics, then buzz on over to our website, dpdhl.com podcast, where you'll also find more information and links. I've mentioned before that logistics is a fascinating business, so if you're looking for a great place to work and lots of great people to work with, there's also a link to jobs listings for everything from couriers and warehouse workers through to supply chain managers and data scientists. 
DHL is active in 220 countries and territories around the world, so there's likely an opening somewhere near you. Once again, our podcast website is a good place to find out more. dpdhl.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you.